0: Hello, and welcome to a bonus episode of the Let's Plan Your Wedding podcast. I'm Danny C., and today we are going to see if your invitations pass these very common pitfalls uh, that I see over and over again. So I encourage you to print out a template of your drafted invitation and listen to this episode with your invitation in hand, ideally before you've ordered them. Let's see if they pass the test and don't fall into any of these super common pitfalls. Let's see how you do. Okay. I want you to think about your invitation from a guest's perspective for this episode. So with a printed out example and an envelope, look at your invite as a guest would see it. And if you didn't listen to the last two episodes of this podcast, as you built your invite, it's okay. Here's a little summary. As you hold your invite in front of you of what information should absolutely be clearly communicated to your guests on your invitation, the full names of both people getting married This is optional, but you may have the together with their families verbiage above or below your names. You may even have like the parents of one person listed above their name and below the other person, uh, the other parents' names listed. This insinuates that the families are supporting and in some cases sponsoring the wedding. It can also be a little bit more formal. The date, including the day of the week, month, date, and year. The time of the ceremony, which is the time that guests need to arrive by. The location, both the name of the venue and the address, or if it's a private residence, just the address. But you could also say like the Smith residence and the address to show that it's a private residence for people. The address should be routable. If you put it into maps, it would take you to the location or more information for routing or parking or trying to get to the event. It may need to be listed on the back of the invite or on a separate insert card and also on the website. And how to RSVP, usually a link to the wedding website with some, for more information and to RSVP, visit our website, then list the website URL. Optional additional info, you could list your dress code and added cards for more details around parking, shuttles, accommodations, schedules, etc. Maybe there's an additional RSVP card that is mailed. And if you didn't listen to my last episode on addressing your envelopes, that's okay, but I'm hoping your envelopes clearly list the names of everyone invited to avoid confusion. So if the family has kids and the kids are invited, I think it's best to put everyone's names on the envelope, John, Jane, Everett, and Lacey Smith, not just the Smith family. Or if the family has kids and the kids aren't invited, you definitely shouldn't say the Smith family. You should say Mr. John and Mrs. Jane Smith, John and Jane Smith, however you're doing your naming. Okay, let's get into it. Here are my top six pitfalls I see all the time. Try your best to avoid these invitation blunders. Number one, lost in the mail. Is your envelope clearly a wedding invitation? Maybe opt for a colored envelope or a nicer stationery. This is a little less common of a blunder, but right from the start, it should be clear it's an invitation and it shouldn't get shuffled off with the rest of the bills. If for any reason, and I have seen this, your envelope looks like a standard mailing, that could get set to the side, consider adding custom stamps or a wax seal on the back or something to indicate to people it's a wedding invite. This is most commonly a pitfall for electronic invites though, that are emailed, and they might get put into the spam folder or else the guest doesn't check that email regularly. This is why I don't really like emailed invitations. Texted invites are sometimes better, but I have also found that companies like Evite or Paperless Post text from a random number And so the text almost looks like spam at first. Also my texts delete themselves after a certain amount of time. So for invitations, I feel like mailed invites are best. And if you want to do electronic, save the dates you can, but maybe consider switching to a mailed invite for the invitation portion. Number two, not being clear on who's invited an invitation first and foremost should inform the guests that they are invited. But what if only some of the guests within a certain household are invited What if their kids aren't or their girlfriend or their boyfriend isn't? I encourage you to go back to my last episode. If you haven't thought through this, the envelope needs to list the names of people invited. Listen to that last episode. I really go through it in a lot of detail, especially how to deal with the two most difficult groups for indicating who's invited, which is kids and plus ones. Number three, the verbiage doesn't match exactly to the wedding website. I am such a stickler about this. You guys So pop open your wedding website and make sure your information on your invitation exactly matches your website. A perfect example of this is when I got an invite that told guests on a separate detail card that the venue was 12 miles away from the downtown area. And then on the website, it said it's a 20 minute drive away from the downtown area. They're both correct, but give people as few numbers to remember as possible. That, or else people are going to say, oh, shoot, I thought that it was, I read that it was 12 minutes away. It was actually 12 miles away. Now it's 20 minutes. I'm late. This is also why I don't condone lying to guests about the ceremony start time, because it's too hard to keep different numbers straight across multiple printed and electronic sources of intel. Maybe you share an internal document with your bridesmaids that says the real ceremony start time, and then they start telling people, no, I thought it's, it's actually at 4 at p.m., And they say, no, 3.30 is on the website. So instead, I recommend if you want to be stern with guests about the ceremony start time, say it starts promptly at 3.30. Or if you've got the shuttle component, that's a perfect place to help guests kind of get there on time by telling them that the shuttle is going to cut off a little before it actually does. If you're shuttling people, I would rather you lie to them about the time of the last shuttle. And then with the shuttle, what happens is if you've given them an earlier cutoff time and the shuttle runs a little later, guests just assume that they've been given a little grace period and they won't think that you've lied to them necessarily. But beyond that, if guests are running late, they either miss it or they sneak in. Unless there's actually a consequence to them arriving late that you need to let them know about, I wouldn't sweat it. Give them everything they need to arrive on time, warn them if there's going to be an actual problem if they're late, and then it's on them. But if you lie to your guests about the ceremony start time, and let's say you've told them it starts at 3.30, but it actually starts at 4, guests are going to arrive and rush to sit in their seats by 3.30, and then they're going to look around and they're going to see that nobody is stressed. Your wedding planner is just leisurely talking to someone, and they're going to know that you lied to them. And I just find it strangely belittling personally. So unless your wedding planner is adamant about it, I recommend lying about the shuttles or else trusting your adult guests to figure it out. Number four, you didn't build out your wedding website fully. Okay, for save the dates, that's totally fine. You could have directed your guests to a website that had some coming soon areas of the site, but now is the time to give your guests all that they need information-wise. They receive a beautiful invite in the mail. They're intrigued, excited, and they want to learn more. So they go to their computer and they type in your wedding website. Don't lose this chance to get them their info. Hopefully get them to RCP. Maybe they're buying you a gift, looking into flights. They're putting it on their calendar. So before you send out these invites, I really encourage you to print one out and have it in front of you as you go onto your website and update all of the different areas. Get the verbiage to match exactly. Get them everything they need to know about your wedding. Check your registry. Have you had a few bridal showers? It's likely picked over already and you need to add things that have gone out of stock or just add more things in that great price range for people, $30 to $60. Test the functionality of your links. Specify what airports are best to fly into. This takes some time and thought, but it makes a really good impression because if your guests get this beautiful invite, they're excited, they hop onto your website, and they're met with all these coming soon areas of your website, you've kind of lost them. Now they're off to the next thing. Who knows when they're gonna have the chance to actually bounce back onto your site to get the info they were looking for. This is like your one shot to get them all that they need so that they can follow up, book their flight, you know, coordinate with their family, whatever they need to do to let you know whether or not they can come to your event. Number five, RSVP deadline is set too close to the wedding. I like to have it four to six weeks out, depending on how much time you're giving someone. So if you've sent an invite, let's say four to six months in advance, you can definitely have an RSVP deadline that comes in six weeks before your event or four weeks before your event because you're going to spend a week, a week and a half, maybe even up to two weeks tracking down people who haven't RSVP'd no matter when you set that deadline. But that last month of your wedding, as we're going to talk about next season, is a really busy month. And so if you can get ahead of those numbers, maybe even reach out to your caterer. Make sure that they don't have some type of deadline for you. You need to give them the absolute final numbers or they're going to charge you if there are any changes, that type of thing is very common for caterers. So make sure you consult with your caterer, think about your timeline, look at your schedule. Are you going to be available to be tracking people down four weeks out or are you at someone else's wedding that weekend? You need to set it for the weekend before so that you can start working on it. Have a strategy there and set it earlier than it really needs to be so that you can track people down and spend that time understanding who's actually coming to the event. And common wedding invite mistake number six, not putting your address clearly on your wedding invitation and also on the homepage of your wedding website. I'll never forget my friend John telling us a harrowing story after arriving just in the nick of time to our friend's wedding in the Redwoods of Santa Cruz years ago. There's hardly any cell reception deep in the Santa Cruz mountains when John realizes he doesn't know exactly where the wedding is. Although he's been to a wedding there before, He needs to check the location, but he doesn't have the invite. So he calls friend after friend, but no one has cell reception. He racks his brain for the wedding website, Sarah, and Nick at minted.com, Nick and Sarah at the He's driving a windy road at breakneck speed, trying to hack into every common wedding website company with their first and last names. He ends up Googling the couple's names until he miraculously finds their wedding website, but on the main page, he can't find their wedding venue address. He can't find the name of the venue, the routable location, or directions anywhere. On his phone, he scrolls through pages and pages and pages of their love story. So many couples do this. Long blow-by-blow story of how they met, fell in love. He's still driving through the mountains at breakneck speed, scrolling his phone, trying to get to the end of the love story, clicking on every link, going through photo albums, registry information. Nowhere on the website is the address. It was only listed on the physical invitation, which he lost months ago. Finally, he thinks to track my location through the app, Find My Friends, and he arrives to the ceremony just in time. Here's my philosophy, and this is my last point. Don't treat guests like they are dumb or forgetful, but instead, imagine your guests are extremely important, busy CEOs. Actually, in the last example, John is. You're the executive assistant lining up the document for them to sign, a decision that needs to be made when they have a spare moment between meetings. They're the Meryl Streep in Devil Wears Prada, busy running an empire. So you have to help them get there. You may need to remind them to tell you what their dinner order is. And listen, you're the Meryl Streep of your own life, okay? We hope others help you, remind you, reach out to you for their events. But have this philosophy. Think of your guests. Say things over and over. Reiterate the branding of the details and the important information. Now is your best chance at getting them dialed for your event. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.